You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show heading into the weekend. We've got your NBA series prices for you of the six series that are set to go. We'll know two more after tonight's game. We've got one of the greatest Twitter battles going on right now, social media battles between two NBA players, Kyle Kuzma and Spencer Dinwiddie. If you haven't heard this one, it's actually pretty good. Uh, We're going to talk about the Major League Baseball pitch clock and how one pitcher is not thrilled about it and has a pretty good reason for why he's not thrilled about it. We'll get into that. Jim Nance defends Tony Romo. I don't know why, but he does. Well, I do know why, but we'll get into that story. And the Tampa Bay Rays continue to be the greatest baseball team ever assembled. 13-0 now, another blowout yesterday, 9-3 over the Red Sox. We'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's get started with NBA series prices. Now, we've only got six of the eight series set right now. The Bulls game tonight against the Heat will determine who gets to get feasted on by the Milwaukee Bucks. And the OKC game tonight against Minnesota will determine who gets to play the Nuggets in the first round. But of the six series that are set, you know, you can bet the series, but if you want to bet the favorite, you're going to have to lay a lot of money. Like I said, if you want to bet the Celtics to beat the Hawks, great. you got to bet $10 to win $1. So what you do is you look at series spread, and you can actually determine the games in the series and get much lower odds and sometimes even plus odds. But you still have to guess the series right. Not only you have to guess the winner, you got to guess the series right. So, as I said, Boston Celtics against the Atlanta Hawks, the 2-7 game in the East. Celtics are minus 1,000 to win the series. They're not going to lose to the Hawks. But you can bet them to win the series in 0 or 1 game, or you can bet them to win it 4-0 or 4-1, so you can bet them to win it in 4 or 5 games. You can bet them to win it in exactly 6 games, or you can bet them to win it in 7 games. So you can bet the Celtics minus three and a half games, which means they sweep the Hawks. But it has to be a sweep. But instead of laying $1,000, instead of laying um, $10 to win $1, you can bet $1 to win $2.30 if you bet the Celtics minus three and a half games. They're plus 230 So I'll do this based off of $100. I'm not going to do it off of $1, but... Yeah, a $100 bet on Boston Celtics to sweep pays you back 230. A $100 bet on the Celtics to win it in 5 games, which is the Celtics minus 2 and a half games, so they'd have to win Actually, you'd win both because if they're minus 2 and a half games, that would be minus 4 or that would be f- winning it in 4 games or winning it 4 games to 1 because that's still minus 2 and a half. That's minus 175. So you're basically getting the series to end in four and five games. Either one, you only have to lay 175 to win 100 versus win, betting 1,000 to win 100 for them just to win the series. That's what I mean. This is the stuff you got to look into if you're really interested. And you can also bet them minus one and a half games, which means the Celtics win that series in four, five, or six games. Now, that covers a lot more. You have to lay $450 to win $100 on that. But 
That's the type of stuff to look into. Now, the other way around, you can bet the Hawks plus three and a half games, which means you bet the Hawks to win that series and you just hope that they don't get swept. They can lose in five. They can lose in six. They can lose in seven. If you take the Hawks plus three and a half games, you're winning as long as they don't get swept. But it's minus 300 to win 100. Now, if you bet the Hawks to win the series, <laughs> you can get some good money coming back, especially if you bet if the Hawks win the series in, you know, six games or less, it's plus 950. So that's one to look into for that series because I think, I think if you're looking to bet that series, I think that series the Hawks maybe take a game. So if I were you, I would bet the Celtics minus two and a half games, minus 175 to win 100. That's a hell of a lot better than laying $1,000 to win 100 for just the Celtics to win the series, which they're probably going to do. But you don't want to waste 1000 You don't want to have to lay 1000 just to win $100. You can bet them to win in, game, again, win in four games or five games, and there you are at minus 175. You're only laying 175 to win 100. As for the 76ers net series, it's pretty much looking like the same type of numbers as the Celtics and the Hawks series because overall the Sixers, you have to lay $1,000 to win 100. But you can bet the Sixers minus three and a half games. They're plus 240. Celtics were minus plus or plus 230 on minus three and a half games. Sixers minus, are, are plus 240. So same exact thing there and those across the board as well. The other series and the only one, the only other two I'm going to talk about are in the Western Conference: Golden State and Sacramento. Golden State to win the series, you have to lay two seventy-five to win two. This is a series where, because the overall winner of the series, while it's minus two seventy-five, it's not up in the thousand-dollar range to win hundred dollars. So, if you really like Golden State to win this series, I would just bet them minus two seventy-five. You have to lay a little bit of lumber there, but. If you like them to win, just do that. Me, personally, I think they're going to win in six. So Golden State minus uh, one and a half, meaning four games to two or less, they're only minus 155. So instead of laying 260, 270, I only have to lay 155, and they just have to win in six games or less. I think that's probably the route I'm going to go there. The Lakers and the Memphis Grizzlies, the, the the line for the series is out, and it is the lowest line of every series. <laughs> it's, you know, the Lakers, uh, the Memphis is only minus 140. They are the number two seed <laughs> in the Western Conference, and they're minus 140 to win the series against the Lakers. The two seed in the East, the Celtics, like I said, are minus 1,000 to win the series. So they really think the Lakers have a chance in this one. The Lakers are plus 120 to to come back in that series and you know I, I you know, you're looking at it and you're like wow uh I I still don't know I do think the Lakers can win they have two of the three best players on the court assuming LeBron and AD play the whole series I do think they can win that one uh if it goes to a seventh game they're gonna have to win on the road which isn't going to be easy. and But if you like the Lakers, I would just bet them plus games. They are, you know, you still have to lay some money, plus two and a half, minus 475. Uh, Lakers um, plus one and a half games is minus 240. Uh, if you think they're going to win the series in five, 
four, five, or six games, you can get plus money on that in 165. So I'd look into that if I were you, if you're interested in that stuff. But those are the series prices that are out, and then we'll have two more after tonight's games play out. Probably never thought you were going to get Twitter beef between Kyle Kuzma and Spencer Dinwiddie, but this hit recently because Spencer Dinwiddie went on a podcast with Michelle Beadle. Spencer Dinwiddie played for the Washington Wizards, and then he came and played for the Dallas Mavericks for less than a year, and then he was traded for in the Kyrie deal to Brooklyn right in February of this year. And he just has a long-standing beef with Kyle Kuzma, his former teammate on the Wizards. And he said, you know that you're there shooting shots to try and get a contract. You're probably not even a third star, really, on a good team, because if you were, the Lakers would have kept you. What's that thing that Draymond just said? Insecurity is loud. So just firing shots at Kuzma. That was from Spencer Dinwiddie, who's in the playoffs. Kyle Kuzma is not. So I think that's why... Spencer is kind of puffing his chest out there and taking shots at a guy who he knows is not going to be in the playoffs. But Kyle Kuzma comes back strong on Twitter with this. Number one, five points. He had five different points he wanted to make in his tweets. Number one, insecurity is loud, question mark. The Wizards and I have so much real estate on Din Shitty Island. (laughs) I mean, creative. Not bad, calling calling Spencer Dinwiddie Spencer Dinshitty. I, I mean, we don't get this out of NBA players very much, especially on social media. They'll take, like, certain jabs here and there, but to flat-out call a guy Dinshitty, that's huge. And then he said, this guy got signed by a team and was traded before the following season was over, which was true. Then number two, what in the world have you won in this league? You've been bounced around like a basketball, my boy. Number three, you can thank KD and Kyrie for spearheading the 34 wins before the All-Star break, 11 and 13 after the break for your playoffs. So he's basically saying, like, look, while you guys are in the playoffs, the reason you are in the playoffs is because KD and Kyrie were on your team before they traded them both away and got you a bunch of wins, and ever since those guys were traded away, you're an under 500 team. You kind of backed into the playoffs. That's facts. It's not a lie. And then his fourth point, second option, more like second point guard. My man, I watched you for two months at the end of your Wizards tenure being the second option, averaging eight, four, and four. Sounds good, but glad you're hooping now. And yep, I got a bag coming. Stop hating, LOL. And then he threw in a six point. Oh, yeah. Last but not least, the only way you'll ever be worth your contract is if the NBA finally gives you your wish of getting paid in crypto. And then in between asterisks, checks the markets, and then the sign for the Dow going down. Enjoy the clicks. Go Sixers. I mean, for two guys in the NBA that don't like each other, usually, like I said, it's just short barbs here and there, and then it's they're hugging it out at the end of the game. These two guys literally don't like each other. And for them to take to social media like that and fire off salvos that way that was pretty good i want to see more basketball on basketball crime between kyle kuzma and ryan and spencer din shitty <laughs> i don't know why that's so funny it's such a simple i mean it's such a simple name to make out of his name but it's pretty damn funny you gotta admit 
And you just never hear NBA players call another player shitty. He's literally saying, yeah, you suck. You're a shitty basketball player. You never hear that. Good stuff. I love it. Keep it coming, you two. Now, let's move on to baseball. The first story I want to go over is we've talked about the pitch clock. And the pitch clock is definitely speeding up games. What some baseball teams are doing now, you've known in the past, most baseball stadiums cut off beer sales at the end of the seventh inning. Well, now that games are going faster, they want as many beer sales as possible. And so their beer sales are now being extended to the end of the eighth inning. Well, there's a pitcher named Matt Strom on the Philadelphia Phillies who disagreed with extending alcohol sales beyond the traditional seventh inning cutoff. And he makes a good point here because he says, the reason we stopped selling alcohol in the seventh before was to give our fans time to sober up and drive home safe, correct? So now with a faster paced game, if the game is going to finish quicker, would we not want to move the beer sales back to the sixth inning to give our fans time to sober up sober up and drive home instead we're going to the eighth and now you're putting our fans and our family at risk driving home with people who have just drank beers 22 minutes ago i mean he's not wrong if the whole point of ending beer sales at the end of the seventh inning before this year was hey we want people to sober up so we'll give them two innings before they drive home now you're ending beer sales at the end of the eighth inning well, if you're the home team and you're winning, all that leaves is the top of the ninth. That inning could go five minutes. He said 22 minutes. <laughs> Shit. It could be five minutes from the time they end beer sales to the time the game is over and people are getting in their cars. So he makes a good point. Now, with that point that he made, is Major League Baseball going to change it? Are these stadiums going to change it and move it back to the sixth inning? Absolutely not, because they're looking to make money. And they don't care about their fans and they don't care about drinking after the game. It's just that's just facts. They're not going to change it because they want to make as much money as possible. So unfortunately, a great point that Matt Strom made and will go completely ignored, which sucks. The Tampa Bay Rays won again yesterday. They are now 13-0 and on the season and Again, remember yesterday I pointed out the fact that ESPN couldn't even get the story right? And when they talked about the game, I was like, why are they saying, you know, the the, the headline of the game yesterday say they're one win away from uh, Major League Baseball record since, you know, a Major League record that hasn't been touched since 1900. Yet in the article, it literally says the last two teams to start 13-0 and in Major League Baseball were the 87 Brewers and the 82 Braves. Well, now the Tampa Bay Rays have tied them because they have started the season 13-0. The only longer streak in Major League Baseball history to open the season was 20-0. But that was by the 1884 St. Louis Maroons of the Union Association, which 99.999999% of Major League Baseball fans have no idea what the Union Association was in 1884. You know? I know you don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But just wanted to make that known. So let's just say first teams to have done it since the 87 Brewers and the 82 Braves. All right, sorry, the um, 
87 yeah 82 Braves sorry 13 and 0 and you know they head to Toronto for three games this weekend Toronto's decent but these they're they're pummeling teams 13 and 0 9 to 3 yesterday so yet another game where they won by four or more runs 11 of their 13 wins have been by four or more runs by the way yesterday when ESPN first wrote up the recap of the game they said they'd won all their games but one by four or more runs, which was wrong, but an editor got to them because it's two games that they won by four or less. Uh, the other day they won. Jesus, a bug here. There's a bug flying around. Um, anyway, did you hear that? Did it, got, did it get close enough to the mic where you heard it? Anyway, um, yeah, they are. They were. So it's two games. Two out of thirteen, they won by less than four runs. I mean, this is this is crazy. They are thirteen games into the season. They already have a five-game lead. Now Toronto and the Yankees are in second place at both eight and five, five games back, and they go to Toronto. Like I said, this weekend, twenty-one thousand showed up at the Tropicana Field yesterday. That's the largest since opening day. Okay, great. You know, I mean, maybe as the season goes on, if this team continues to dominate, they'll do well. But I wouldn't bank on it. So keep that in mind. But congratulations to the Rays. I literally, I want to see them start like. 40 and six or something just stupid i just like when somebody or teams dominate and this is complete domination right now because like i said not only are they winning by winning 13 in a row to start the season they're pummeling teams and nobody's close to them so we'll see how this ultimately plays out and finally to wrap this up jim nance was on a podcast recently and he was asked about tony romo who took a lot of criticism this year we talked about it at the beginning of this year once the sports daily started and talked about how Romo had really slipped as a broadcaster in my eyes and a lot of media types eyes. They just said it didn't sound like he was doing his homework. He was doing a lot of screaming. He was talking over Jim a lot and he wasn't doing a lot of analysis. And Jim went on this podcast and he basically said um, he's disappointed in no, not Romo, but the coverage of Romo. He said, for the life of me, I didn't understand it. Tony is the best, he's the absolute best, and he's also one of my best friends. And when somebody starts questioning our chemistry, there's an agenda there. There is nothing wrong with our chemistry. I have never had better chemistry with anybody in my career than Tony. Okay. Um, look, he said he went on to say, where was all this outcry during the season? Tony's amazing. Don't ask everybody to be the same, by the way. Tony does it his own way. Tony has his way of watching a game, and it's fun. There's an excitement. It's real. Our friendship is real. Okay, enough, Jim. We get it. You're friends with Tony. You have to tell us twice in the same interview how good a friend you are. I think the problem is his friendship with Tony is getting in the way of him being objective about Tony because naturally, you know? Jim, I, I hate to tell you this, but... No matter how good a friend you are with him, when a lot of people in the media that watch CBS and watch the number one CBS game of the week that you guys get every week are all saying the same thing, it's not some sort of attack and they just all decided, let's just jump in on Romo for a while. It's because of his work. And... He just isn't the same broadcaster that he was when he first started. He isn't. Ask anybody in the industry. 
And yes, liking an announcer is completely subjective. But you can tell when a lot of fans and a lot of media types whose job it is to cover these people start saying, what is wrong with him? Why is he screaming? Why is he doing this? I understand that's his bit. Everyone's got their thing. Madden had his thing with offensive linemen and their sweaty butts and turduckins and all that. I get it. Everyone's got their bit that they do as an analyst. Tony's bit, though, seems to go against what you should do as a play-by-play analyst, you know, an analyst job in football because he's constantly stepping on Jim and he's constantly talking over him. He's not supposed to do that when you're in the analyst role. You have a certain amount of time that you can talk in between plays after the play-by-play guy describes what happened. It's why the job is so tough. You have to speak in 12 to 15 second sound bites, and that's not easy because within that 12 to 15 seconds, you also have to be looking at a screen. You have to be looking at names and numbers of players and who did what and what coverage and who made the tackle and who got picked off. And there's so many things. It's not just like, oh, you're just looking at the field and you know you just give your thoughts on what you saw in 12 to 15 seconds. No, you have to incorporate all this stuff being given to you by spotters who are next to you. Like I said, comparing Greg Olson to Tony Romo, it was night and day this year. You listen to Greg Olson during the games. You listen to him at the Super Bowl. You could tell he was prepared, and he doesn't speak down to his listeners. He doesn't explain football like he's a know-it-all. He explains it as, in layman's terms as best as he can, and he's excellent. And Tony did that his first few seasons. Recent seasons, he's just yelling and screaming and not giving good insight. And that's your job as an analyst. When I sit down to watch any game, whether it's an NBA game, Major League Baseball game, or an NFL game, I want to learn something. I want to hear something from the analyst that I didn't know or something that they clarified for me or something that I thought I knew but now I know better because of the way it was explained to me. That's what makes a good analyst. Tony was like that in the first two years. Last few years, no, he hasn't been. When I watch Greg Olson, I learn something every single game. I think he's excellent. So I understand Jim sticking up for his friend, but like I said, being his friend is clouding his judgment on Tony. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Please pass this podcast around to your friends. Uh, pretty soon we're going to have our first sponsor for the Sports Daily, so that'll be fun. Uh, this weekend we start NBA playoffs, four games Saturday, four games Sunday, the big game tomorrow night is going to be the Warriors and the Kings. They're getting top billing. They're the ABC game. But obviously three other games all during the day, and they're all Eastern Conference games. Um, or not, not not all of them. Uh, two will be uh, Eastern Conference, and, two, and then one other Western Conference game, and then Golden State. And Sacramento is the Saturday night game on ABC. So look forward to that tomorrow night. We're going to talk about all the game ones come Monday. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.